Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the East Pittsburgh Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Rowe, head strength coach at Case Specific Wellness and Case Specific Athletics in Plum, Pennsylvania. Here we specialize in individualized sports performance and personal training for everyone from the average Joe to elite athletes. And you can learn more about the services that we offer at www.casespecificwellness.com. And of course, while you're there, don't also forget to check out Case Specific Nutrition for nutrition counseling for any goal. We have a team of registered dietitians all over the Pittsburgh area who are absolutely awesome at what they do, and they love helping people reach their goals in a sustainable and enjoyable way that works for their case-specific lifestyle. You can find more information about that at www.casespecificnutrition.com or on Facebook or Instagram if you search case-specific nutrition. Now, case-specific is a mouthful It doesn't really flow well whenever you say it, but the number of times that I say it discussing this company is just ridiculous and you would never know that I don't actually like saying it because I say it over and over. And while I'm on the path of saying case specific over and over, I thought I would introduce you to our sponsor for today's episode, which is case specific meal prep bringing another case-specific branch into the family. Uh, We recently launched Case-Specific Meal Prep, which is a service that aims to provide healthy, cost-effective, and delicious meals for our customers. CSMP works closely with case-specific nutrition dietitians to provide clients with nutrient-rich meals that align with caloric, performance, and weight management goals. If you're tired of spending hours in the grocery store and cooking at home, Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Again, just search Case Specific Meal Prep, where you can find the website that is entirely too long and complicated for me to try to read over a podcast. They're working on changing the website, but for now, find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook, and they will be able to link you directly to the website. I have to say, I have had the Case Specific Meal, see, I'm, I'm fumbling over it, just like I said, I've had the case-specific meal prep meals. They're awesome. They are absolutely freaking delicious. And uh, I couldn't be happier to have that part of the company in here now. Um, You guys should absolutely check them out, especially if you're like me and you completely hate, hate cooking food. I feel like I spend 10 hours cooking for one to three meals that I consume over the course of a day to a day and a half and immediately get tired of eating anyway. So, a lot of variety. Again, I have not had a meal that I didn't like. Um, And if you have any questions on that, you can reach out to Vince Rinaldi. His email is Vince Rinaldi, that's V-I-N-C-E, last name Rinaldi, R-A-N-A-L-L-I, at gmail.com. He is the head of that department of case specific my phone's going off. Let me silence that for you. Uh, He'll be able to help you with any questions that you have. Um, So now that I have said case specific a thousand times, let's get into today's material. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, July 1st, consider yourselves having witnessed a miracle as I'm currently recording this at three in the afternoon on that date. 
I don't expect to release it today, but rather than wait for another week, since I already suck at getting these out to you guys on time, I'll probably release it tonight or tomorrow uh, and get it up. It kind of just depends on how long it takes me to design a graphic for the social media, which seems kind of stupid to be what is the determining factor and how long it takes me to get it out. But I do these in pretty much one take. There's very little like recording editing that goes into these because I don't care to spend the time to figure out the audio program enough to make it fancy and flashy. So we'll see what happens here. But I hope you guys like the episode. The topic for today is something that I think a lot of us deal with. I know I have at, uh, at different points in my life, not so much now, thankfully. Um, it's low back pain and how we can train to minimize slash eliminate it. Um, like I said, it's a very common issue that I think that there's a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast even that deal with this, uh, deal with this issue. Sorry, I'm laughing. My dog got fixed today and uh, she is sitting in front of my desk wearing her cone of shame. So if you hear any weird scraping noises or groaning, that is my dog on the floor being dramatic. Um, as I was saying, a lot of people deal with low back pain, and I think a lot of people get this idea in their head that it's just a part of their life as they get a little bit older and their body just doesn't work as well or, or feel as young as it used to, that they just feel they're going to have to live with this for the rest of their life, and it's just something that happens. Um, the reality is that it's common with all age groups. Like I said, I used to deal with it in high school and early in college when I was landscaping in particular, and I was hunched over all day, shoveling and, and digging in the dirt, all this stuff. I had a ton of low back pain. I used to go to the chiropractor for it all the time. Um, and actually, I just started working with a handful of new middle school athletes, and I have one super young, super tiny athlete that just by watching her squat, I could tell she probably has low back pain. That's why I asked her, I said, yeah, have you ever had issues with low back pain? And she just kind of like gave me a weird look. She's like, yeah, I have it all the time. So again, it affects everyone. And uh, what is nice, what we'll discuss a little bit today is how you can, you know, how I was able to just look at the way she moved through a squat and kind of identify that she probably is dealing with that issue. And the reason for that is that there's a few things that do generally lead to low back pain. And with proper exercise, proper mobility work, you can generally, most of the time, train to fix them. And again, this is, I want to emphasize again that this is a general approach. But I think, still being general, it is one of the more common uh, reasons that you're going to have those issues. And I would bet that most people, or at least a lot of the people who listen to this and take what I tell you guys and try it, are going to see some relief in that, that low back area. But the only way to find out is to, for me to tell you and for you to test it. So there's two things that I'm going to address here. The first of the two is going to be our breathing. Uh, when we are trying to fix anything with our body or just for general health purposes there's a big 
big benefit that comes from addressing how exactly we breathe. So if you're sitting here right now, or sitting down listening to this, or you're standing up walking, whatever you're doing, take note for a minute of how you breathe. And what I would bet is that you're gonna notice that as you breathe in, you're gonna see your chest rise up and expand. And as you breathe out, you're gonna see it compress and kind of drop back down. So you get that big rib expansion, and what, you're, what, what you might not notice, but what is there if you're seeing that is some extension down in the low back of the lumbar spine. So think about it this way. If you take 20,000 breaths per day, which is average for, for what we do breathe, um, every time you inhale, you are extending that back and leaning back, flaring those ribs out, and then compressing it. So 20,000 times a day, I'm extending my low back, flexing down, extending, flexing, extending, flexing. That low back constantly in that extension and, and coming back down. We're gonna discuss this a little bit more, but you right away have an overworking factor at play on your low back, right? 20,000 back extensions. Go do a set of 10 back extensions next time you're at the gym and feel that tension build up in your low back and tell me what 20,000 of those would feel like. Obviously that's an exaggeration, but it is happening just on a smaller level. Now, aside from just the musculoskeletal factors from that constant extension, what else you have going on is a constant state of sympathetic nervous system stimulation. What do I, what do I mean by that? You have your fight or flight state where you are excited and your, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, and you have your rest and relaxation. Your fight or flight is activated or is synonymous with your sympathetic nervous system, which is a part of your central nervous system that tells your body, okay, it's time to go, and gets you all excited and hyped up. Where that rest and recovery is synonymous with the asympathetic nervous system. Am I saying that right? I hope I'm saying that right. Parasympathetic, parasympathetic, what an idiot. Your parasympathetic nervous system. I should have put that in my notes here. Um, so what we want to try to do in order to reduce stress levels and reduce tension through our body is drive that parasympathetic response instead of the sympathetic response, right? So when you have that sympathetic stimulation and you're all hyped up, what you have is an increase in your stress hormone levels, which leads to an increase in total body tension, right? So we get all locked up and tight, which is why if you go get a massage, they tell you you're stressed, you, you have all this tension in your muscles and your shoulders, all this, and that is from that constant rigidity in your upper body and that constant extension and rising your chest and lowering your chest. That plays a huge part in, in not being able to appropriately alleviate the stress that you deal with day to day. Um, it really can lead to a lot of issues later. That a lot of these issues, which we can probably at least get a decent amount of, re of uh, relief in just addressing our breathing. So, I'm talking about how everyone breathes bad and, and breathing in your chest, all this. So, what do we do to fix that? This is something that is quite interesting to me whenever I learned it, and I, you know, I've seen it work for myself as well as others. What we need to work on is driving our breathing in and out through our nose. So what do I mean by that? 
Yeah, you, I think everybody's familiar with the idea that you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, and that's how you that's how you recover from exercise. That's fine to a point, but whenever we breathe in and out through our nose, what that actually does is forces us to utilize our deep breathing muscles of our belly. So we have a diaphragm that is this big cross-sectional muscle that's inside our stomach, right? So right at the base of your ribs. Think of like, I don't know, I want to say a big chunk of salami, right? So a big stick of salami. The round sealed part is the top where your head is, and the bottom, we sliced it so that it's open, right? So that cross-sectional area in the bottom of that salami, I just compared you all to salami, I'm sorry. That is your diaphragm. And as you breathe in, what you have happen is that diaphragm contracts, and the section or the, the center of that cross-sectional area drops down. And that creates pressure or it creates more space in your midsection that allows you to bring more air in. And as you breathe out, it contracts, goes the opposite way, forces that air out, which just goes back to that more surf, or more area, more volume, I uh, forget what the, the bore effect, the bore effect, B-O-H-R. My dog's making weird noises again. So anyway, when we breathe in and out through our nose, we emphasize or, or drive our diaphragm to contract more and assist with that breathing, which just helps us to breathe more efficiently. Now, the, the reason, or, or aside from that, I guess, uh, not the reason, aside from just that, we like to equate breathing in and out through your nose as opposed to your mouth as drinking, say, filtered water out of a Brita compared to drinking pond water. Right, so you have all these nose hairs and, and this mucus and stuff inside your nose that as you breathe in, those hairs, that mucus, it, what it does is it catches the particles and, and nasty gunk that could come into your body and filters it out and gives you cleaner air that you're taking in. So not only are you able to actually breathe more efficiently just from using your deep breathing muscles in your midsection, but also it is filtering that air so that we are keeping that a little bit cleaner, which can help actually improve your immune system as well as a host of other things by filtering that air out as you breathe it in. So, belly breathing. What this also does is it gets back to that sympathetic parasympathetic system that I was discussing a few minutes ago. Belly breathing and nasal breathing drives your parasympathetic nervous system. So I tell clients that have a lot of anxiety or they have trouble sleeping, I do some breath work with them, which I do with most clients anyway, but we do some breathing work and I have them lie on the floor and focus on breathing, which I'll discuss this in a minute. And what it does is they notice themselves actively becoming calmer and, and kind of relaxed. We bring their heart rate down more rapidly and we help kind of drive that rest and recovery state where we can then improve the rate and effectiveness of our recovery after exercise or even after a specific set, not necessarily a whole session. So we calm down the nervous system, we bring it to recovery, we ease the tension throughout our body, and not it does those things, but what it also does is it creates tension through your belly that prevents that lumbar or low back extension that we were talking about earlier. 
So I want you guys to try this right now. If you're sitting, which I assume you are right now, whether you're in your car or at work, whatever you're doing, you're sitting in a chair, I want you to sit up nice and straight, upright, and then you're gonna put your tongue to the roof of your mouth, which is gonna create kind of a seal that prevents air from going in and out of your mouth. I know some of us have a harder time breathing through, through our noses, I particularly do, but doing this more and more has actually helped it. So we're sealing the mouth shut, we're not talking. I like to, to tell clients, like, shut up, we're not talking out of it, you know, they like to get a little mouthy during this. What we're going to do, take a nice, big, long, deep breath in through your nose, and we're gonna, as we do that, focus on expanding your belly out 360 degrees around the, the, the circle of your torso, right? So we're breathing out, imagine like an inner tube being filled up around our belly. Hold that breath for a few seconds, and then breathe it out nice and slow, and feel everything contract back down. So as you're doing this, again, we wanna feel the belly expand. If you look down and you see that your ribs and everything are still lifting up, we have to focus in on it a little bit more. And again, you can even, actually, something that might help is put your hands on your waist, right? So your four fingers are on the front of your stomach, thumbs on the backside, kind of tighten down on your stomach a little bit, and then breathe in and focus on expanding your belly into your fingers and into your hands. Sometimes putting your hands there or having a friend uh, put, your hand, put their hands around your, your midsection gives you a cue to kind of breathe into those areas and it helps figure out where you're trying to breathe to more. Because most people, this is not a natural thing and so it's actually challenging to figure out how to breathe into your belly instead of letting your chest rise up whenever you breathe. So, try that right now. Work on that if you're not, if you're not getting it right off the bat. But... Once you do that, and once you get a hang of it, what you're gonna notice is that you, you kinda, you, you'll calm down. You, you'll suddenly feel really relaxed. You might even feel a little bit sleepy. Um, so again, something that I like to use with clients who have, uh, who have sleeping issues. I have them do this uh, either after a session or before they go to sleep. Lie on their back with their feet flat on the floor or on the bed or whatever, and their knees bent. And again, do the same thing with their mouth shut, focusing on the breathing through the nose. And I'll have them put a hand on their chest and one on their stomach. And I tell them, I wanna see that hand on the stomach rise first and rise faster than the hand on your chest. So you might get a little bit of that extension and that, that lifting of your ribs, but we want it to go into our belly first and see that hand lift before it. Because again, that creates that pressure in the belly in the midsection there that prevents us from arching way back as we breathe in and, and let the ribs lift up. So it just creates a little bit of tension down there. And again, you might notice you feel more, more relaxed, more calm after you do that for a few minutes. Um, awesome for driving recovery. And what it does leading into kind of my next point here is it's gonna teach you proper breathing mechanics to set your position and create a brace through your core for when you're lifting. So. If you just load up 300 pounds on a, on a barbell and put it on your back and try to squat without thinking about your belly, you're gonna collapse and break your spine. What we want to do is drive appropriate breathing mechanics. Oh my gosh, my dog is snoring now. What are you doing over there? <laughs> we wanna establish those good breathing mechanics so that we can properly engage our core, which is the midsection all around, not just your, your abs, 
to create tension and create that pressure in there that helps support our spine under a heavy load. So again, I'm gonna get into that a little bit more, but I just wanna make the point that the breathing does lead into my next point, which is what we call Jonda's lower cross syndrome. I'll explain what that cross part means here in a minute, but I want you guys to visualize your pelvis, like your hip bones that your spine comes down and attaches into that your legs come out of there, or your femurs, uh, that, that blocky pelvis. Look at your body from the side, or imagine looking at your body from the side, and you're seeing your legs coming down through the middle. That's your, we'll say your y-axis there is your, your femurs. That pelvis is sitting up on the top of that. And now I want you to imagine your pelvis as a seesaw sitting on top of your legs. And that seesaw or your pelvis can rock forward and it can rock back on that pivot point of that fulcrum that is your, your legs, okay? Now we have different forces uh, from different muscles that are pulling on your pelvis and pulling it in different directions, okay? Whether that's up or down, that's what we're worried about right now. So most populations right now, especially in the U.S., are sedentary especially through COVID, um, we spend a lot of time sitting. Whether that is sitting at your desk at school or now sitting on your computer at, at home, sitting at the desk, or even in the office whenever you're back at work, we're sitting for hours and hours on end each day. And what this is doing is tightening up your hip flexor muscles. So your hip flexors come from your backside over, your, over the fronts of your hips and down onto the fronts of your thighs. And what they do is if I'm standing upright, just looking straight forward, and I bring my knee up to my chest, that's my hip flexors that are acting on that. And there's a couple different muscles that are involved in that. We're not gonna get particular about that right now. But when we're in that seated position all day, if you picture yourself sitting right now, your knees or your legs are up in that flex position, where if you were standing up and you brought your knee up, it's, it's the same position there. So when you spend hours on end sitting in that position, what you end up with is those muscles that cross over your hips and pull your knees up, they end up shortened and tight. They're not strong, we're not thinking strong shortened where we've just built up the strength of a muscle that it pulls a little bit tighter, but they just naturally shorten to that position because they're used to being in it. Um, and what that is coupled with then is weak abdominal muscles, which would pull the hips upward in the front. So again, those hip flexors go over the top of your hips. If they're tight, they, what they do is they pull your pelvis, again, think of it sitting on the fulcrum, it's pulling that pelvis forward or, or pulling the front down towards the ground, where your abs are gonna do the opposite mo uh, motion. They're gonna pull the hips back up. So my hips are pivoting on my legs right now, my hip flexors are pulling them down, my abs pulling them up. But with people sitting in that position all the time with generally just weak abdominal muscles, you end up with an over, or a, a more powerful or more strong pull pulling the front of the hips downward, okay? And we're gonna get into what that means here more in a minute. But that is coupled with also weakened glutes, which is your butt muscles, if you aren't aware of that. So again, we're sitting from all, or we're sitting all the time. Our hips or our butt muscles 
are stretched out, they're lengthened. And again, used to being in that position, they just kind of adapt and lengthen themselves to that to just be more comfortable in that seated position. But what you're seeing then is that those muscles are now weakened and lengthened out, which the glute muscles are responsible for pulling the backside of the hips downward, which would then oppose the upward pull we see from our low back, all right? So, I, this, there's a lot happening here. Just I'm gonna try to break it down and keep it simple here for you. So we have the hips, they're pivoting on the legs, on the femurs. We have the abdominal muscles that are a little bit weak that are supposed to pull up on the front. They're not pulling up. Hip flexors are tight, they pull downward on the front. They are pulling. So we see that, that seesaw, that our hips are starting to tilt forward, okay? Now remember that your spine is on top of this and it has to move with this, all right? Now let's look at the backside. We just looked at the front, now we're on the back. The glutes, which should pull down on the backside, are also lengthened and weakened. So they're not resisting that, that downward pull from the front and they're letting that backside come up. So what you have when all this happens is that your spine where it ties into your hips is now curving with that angle, your, your pelvis rounding forward, okay? So what you end up with is that little curvature that we have in our low back, which again, we want a little bit of curve there, but what we have now is an exaggerated curve that's much deeper than we want, that's just constantly putting pressure on those lower back vertebrae which is where a ton of you know, so many of us are feeling this pain, right? So these muscles that should be balanced out and maintain a neutral hip position are now pulled or pulling the hips forward into what we call an anterior pelvic tilt. Okay, so anterior means front, pelvis. What we're talking about, pelvic. So our hips are rounded forward, and what we get from that, what we see here, is a what we call, I like to call it the Instagram butt, right? So these girls that get on Instagram, they take pictures of their butt sticking out, they're arching their low back, sticking their butt way out to make it look bigger. That's great if you're trying to have a nice looking butt. Not great if you're trying to have a healthy spine, and I'm taking the healthy spine over the nice butt 10 out of 10 times. So what do we do about this? We have this uneven musculature that is causing uneven forces on our hips that is causing our low back pain. Well, we know that it's response, or the, the cause of it is weak muscles. We have weak glutes, we have weak abs. And so we, what we need to do is train to fix those issues. So we have weak glutes, weak abs, we gotta train those uh, with weight and resistance to strengthen them. We have tight hip flexors and a tight low back, we need to loosen those or lengthen them with mobility work. Um, so we're gonna break this down into three different uh, things we need to address. First thing we need to do, we need to stretch those hip flexors out. There's a, a thousand ways to stretch your hip flexors. I'm gonna give you guys two exercises to consider if, you, if, you, if this is something that you deal with. So the first one, just a basic stretch on the floor. I want you to drop down into a lunge position so one foot is flat in front of you with the knee bent at about 90 degrees. And you can maybe push your foot a little bit farther forward so that you're a little greater than 90 degrees on that front knee angle. But that back foot is just flat on the floor. 
And now all I want you to do is take that front knee and push it straight forward and that back hip, we're gonna push straight down towards the floor. So let's say I have my, my right foot forward and my left knee down on the floor. I'm driving my right knee out in front of me and my left hip straight down. And I'm gonna squeeze my left butt cheek whenever I do that. If, you were, if you're somewhere where you could try that right now, give that a go and I would bet that you'll feel a big stretch across your hip and down the front of your left thigh. That is our hip flexors that we're addressing right there. So hang out in that position for 20, 30 seconds, get a good stretch there. Um, and then switch sides to the same thing. The, you can't do this stretch enough. I tell people all the time, I want you to do this two, three times a day, at least three times a week, more if you can, you know, if you have the, the willingness to put in the extra work for it. You can't loosen those up enough because we do spend so much time sitting in the car, at our desk, wherever. Uh, get those hip flexors loosened up. And think about what's happening now. We're loosening up those hip flexors. That's allowing our, the fronts of our hips to kind of come up a little bit. We're easing that tension, pulling down, and allowing our, our hips and our Instagram butt to kind of drop down a little bit. Uh, couch stretch, also a hip flexor stretch. It's the exact same thing, but instead of that back foot being on the floor, what we're gonna do is throw that foot up on a couch or a chair or something of similar height. Leave the knee on the floor, but now our foot's up behind us, and we're just gonna sit in that same position, do the exact same thing. Drive the front knee forward, back hip down to the floor, squeeze the butt cheek on that back leg, and that just deepens that stretch a little bit. So you might find that this is a little bit too painful for you. That's why I gave you that other variation first where you just fly on the floor. It's a little bit less intense on the, uh, on the hip flexor there. Try that first, and then if, it, if you feel like you can get into a little bit deeper stretch, elevate that rear foot up on top of something, and uh, you'll, you'll definitely feel that from there. And there's ways that you can add to that uh, as well if that gets too easy. But start there, see how it feels, and uh, work on getting that loosened up a little bit. So we've addressed the tight hip flexors that are pulling down on the fronts of our hips. Now we need to address the weak abdominals that are not pulling up enough on the front. So what are we gonna do for our abs? The most basic core exercise that I like to give people to, to just learn how to use your abs to pull your hips into a proper position is called a dead bug. If you're not familiar with that, I'm gonna talk you through it now. So you're going to lie down flat on the floor on your back. You're gonna bring your hips and your knees up to that flex position. Like, so imagine if you were sitting in a chair, but the back of the chair was flat on the floor, so you were facing up towards the ceiling. Knees, hips at 90 degrees, and now I'm gonna take my hands and push them, or, or point them straight up at the ceiling too. So now my fingertips are pointed at the ceiling, my knees are pointed at the ceiling, and my lower leg is parallel to the floor. Now in this position, especially if you have this anterior pelvic tilt that we were talking about trying to fix, you'll probably notice a pretty deep, or pretty wide space between your low back and the floor. So what I want you to do now, when in that position, is push your low back flat to the floor, or get it as close to flat to the floor as you can. When you do that, when you go to press your low back down to the floor, you're probably going to notice that your abs suddenly light up like crazy. So abs are now, they now have tension up in your abs. We're getting that engagement, we're pulling the ribs down into place, pulling the fronts of the hip up, locking that in, holding that tight. 
this itself might be enough of a challenge for you that this is where you need to start, that's perfectly fine. The rest of this exercise, as it is supposed to go, this is where it gets complicated. Back squat to the floor, hands, knees up towards the ceiling. What we're gonna do now is extend our opposite hand, or opposite arm and opposite leg out towards the floor. So if I'm imagining myself doing this right now, everything's up towards the ceiling, I'm gonna take my right arm, keep it straight, but I'm gonna raise it up over my head so that my arm is almost parallel to the floor. And at the same time I'm doing that, I'm gonna extend my left leg out so it's straight and almost parallel to the floor. Neither one of these are gonna to touch, but now I have my left hand and left knee up towards the ceiling, left hand and right knee, sorry, but my left leg and right arm are extended out and almost touching the floor. What you're doing there is extending this out and creating this long lever arm or a long moment arm that your abdominals now have to work against to keep that low back flat to the floor. So I, we extend those out, we bring them back up. Now we're gonna do the opposite side. So I'm gonna take my left arm and my right leg and extend them out to the, to, towards the floor till they almost touch, not quite. I'm gonna bring them back up. We're just gonna alternate back and forth like that. Uh, so I, there's, it, the rep range doesn't matter. Let's say it's somewhere between six and 12 reps each side, uh, if you're capable of it. Or if you can get three each side, that's perfectly fine too. But your focus there that whole time is just keeping that back flat and flat as possible as you extend the, the arms and legs out. Um, if you are having a hard time getting your back flat to the floor, your, your abs are really weak, you don't quite have the control of the musculature to do that, something I recommend to people is to roll up a towel and put it under that arch of your low back because what that does is brings up the surface that you're trying to press down into so you don't have to reach as far to, to, to feel that tension, right? So now instead of pushing all the way down to the floor, I'm pushing down partway and I, I feel that towel there. Now I have something to press into even though I don't have as much control uh, under my abs as I would like. So that just raises it up and, and kind of follows the arch of your low back a little bit to help make that a little bit easier. So we've addressed the front side here. We're loosening up the hip flexors. We're strengthening up the abs. So we're getting that upward pull on the front side. Now we're going to the back side of our hips where we had the weakened glutes, right? So our butt muscles not as strong as we need them to be. And uh, that, that's causing the back side of our hips to raise up or not resist the downward pull of the front. So there's a million trillion things you could do to strengthen your, uh, your butt. I'm gonna give you two simple exercises to try uh, that don't necessarily need any equipment just to get a little bit of activation in there and, and get you on the path to feeling what we're trying to have you feel here. So the first thing we're gonna do, or the first thing I'm gonna recommend here is step-ups. Step-ups I have found, done the way I, that I recommend, is one of the most effective exercises for beating up your glute muscles. So think of it like going up the steps, but not pushing off of the bottom leg. So let's just say, say for example, uh, I like to tell people to do them with a chair. This is a pretty deep or a pretty high surface to go to, but I like that depth because that puts our hips at a, in a deep flexion that we really have to use the butt muscles for. You don't have to start on a chair. Like I said, it is challenging. So start on maybe a step or, or two steps even. But I'm gonna put one foot up on top of that surface. In my case, I'm gonna say a chair. Top foot's on the chair. 
that bottom foot, I'm keeping as close to the base of that chair as I can. So if we draw a line, a vertical line, from the front side of that chair down to the floor, I want my foot or my toes on that bottom foot touching that vertical line. What that's going to do is help me keep my, grav my center of gravity on that front leg so I can use it exclusively to do this work. So one foot's on the bottom of my chair, other foot is on the floor right below it. And now I'm going to lift my toes on that bottom foot so that I can't what we call plantar flex or push down into the floor with my toes to help lift me up. I'm only going to push into that front leg. So bottom foot, toes lift, top leg, all my weight's on there, and I'm just going to push as hard as I can to stand myself up until both feet are up on top of my chair or my step or whatever I'm doing it with. Now I'm going to go back down. So that same bottom leg that, that we had originally is going to lower back down to the floor. And we're going to control that down as slowly as possible. So we're not just going to drop back down off the top. We're going to control that for three, four, five, six seconds from the top down to the bottom. And when you do that, you're going to feel your butt muscles just lighting up, controlling that motion because we're taking you from hip extension where you're standing straight up at the top down into a deep hip flexion. So we're getting that stretch on those glute muscles as we drop down. Do that for X number of reps on the first leg. Switch to the second leg, same thing. Pushing off the front leg to come up, controlling it down as slowly as possible. Uh, those, again, that's one of my favorite things that I have found for working my butt muscles, which my girlfriend always says I have a small butt, so I've been putting extra work into trying to grow my butt bigger without going into Instagram, but anterior pelvic tilt. We don't want that. Just build a big muscle, right? Second exercise we're going to look at, uh, hip bridges or hip thrusts. A hip bridge, lying flat on the floor, feet flat, lifting your butt up off the floor uh, and squeezing your butt to do that. Hip thrusts in this case, our back is elevated, say on like a weight bench, and we drop our butt down towards the floor and push it back up. Either one of these kind of the same thing. The, uh, the hip thrust just gives you a little bit more range of motion, which like I said on a the, on the high step up, we like that deep flexion to really stretch out the butt muscles and, and put a lot of tension on them. So let's say, but for, for the sake of simplicity here, let's just say a basic hip bridge. You're gonna lie flat on your, on your back, feet flat on the floor, knees bent up towards the ceiling, making sure your feet are flat. They're not too close into your butt that you're on your toes, but they're not so far out that your toes are up off the floor. Um, flat on the back, maybe hands right across our stomach, you know, just relaxed. We're going to squeeze our abs a little bit just to create some tension in there so we're not arching our back while we do this. But we're going to push our heels, and our, or we're going to push our feet straight down into the floor and lift our butt up and squeeze our butt cheeks, right? So we're tightening down on our butt, uh, lifting our hips up off the floor, squeezing that, lowering back down to that starting position. So again, feet flat, back flat, abs squeezing a little bit of tension in there. Driving your feet down to the floor, squeeze your butt as you lift it up, come back down. That is a basic hip bridge. You could also do that single leg where one foot is flat on the floor instead. The other one's just kind of extended out, held up in the air. You push your foot down into the floor and lift your butt up with that other leg just still kind of hanging out there. Obviously, single leg, that's a lot more challenging as opposed to the two-leg approach. Um, so that just requires a little bit more effort, a little bit more tension which is a good thing. We're trying to strengthen your butt up. 
Um, hip thrust, I'm not going to go through the process of trying to explain that for this podcast. Um, I have videos on that on YouTube. You can find if you just search case-specific wellness on YouTube and then search hip thrust on our channel. You would you could find that video of uh, how to do a, a hip thrust with a barbell. That is that, That's all I wanted to discuss today. So I th- that's a lot of stuff that is kind of... Uh, tough to visualize, so I hope I did a good job of explaining that. That's something that I respect a lot in a lot of podcasters that I listen to, is particularly strength coaches, their ability to explain exercises without a visual uh, aid for it. And you know, I listen to it and listen to what they're saying and, and understand actually what they're talking about and to be able to visualize what they're referring to. Uh, I hope that I'm doing that for you guys. So if you see this video and you, uh, you, you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or anything, and if you you listen to this podcast, comment on the post about this podcast and let me know if I did a good job of explaining that stuff to you. Because if not, I'll hate myself. But I want the honest answer. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I hope it was helpful to those of you who might be suffering some low back pain. Um, Give these things a try. Let me know uh, if it helps you. If you start to, after a couple weeks, notice that low back pain easing up. I would be surprised if you did it, and if not, maybe you should come see me in person. I could help you out here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, you might hear this Wednesday, you might hear it Thursday. I don't know, but tune in in two to eight weeks whenever I post the next episode. I'm going to do my best to be better about making that a consistent thing uh, as we get back into real life here, hopefully post-COVID. Have an awesome day, guys, an awesome 4th of July. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you all in the next episode.